I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film or TV show that Mm. turned you on to them. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelly Brooks. And oh my gosh, Michael, we've got a very fun guest today, do we not? Do we? Who do we have? We have have a food scholar, a protector of women's health care, and a friend of Shelly, who she has known since college and who lived with her previously. We've got Olivia Dunbar. You are a big hit with the youth. With the youth, I know. The kids love you. Oh, my God. wild. Yeah, I feel like the last of those, friend of Shelly, is probably the most accurate qualifier. But thank you so much, Shelly. That that is not true. This lady has a master's in food. Come on. That's amazing. Yes, and she she works with women's health care. Come on. Don't sell yourself short, girl. What the hell? Yeah, we need you. <laughs> Seriously. Like, oh, my God. In this, this day and age, we need you very much. <laughs> Olivia, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, thank you both for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about uh, my favorite self-sex symbol. Ah, and, so to that point. Ooh, yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> So who is your stealth sex symbol and what movie are we going to be talking about? So my stealth sex symbol is Koji Yakusho in 13 Assassins, which is the Takashi Miike uh, remake of a 60s samurai film from 2011. Yes. And so are I... I we are very excited to have you on because I I can't speak for for Michael but I will say that one of my big blind spots is that like I I don't know that much about Japanese cinema and you know so much about it and so I'm I'm very excited for you to like enlighten us. <laughs> uh, ditto. You can't speak for me. Uh, I don't know anything. <laughs> I appreciate that because like. I can say that I do know more about like good Japanese cinema, but I have seen some of the not so good anime, live action anime adaptations. So, oh, very the cool. spectrum the spectrum of uh, experiences wide. Yeah, again, Olivia is underplaying her knowledge because I mean she is someone who knows so much about cinema generally, but also like every time you talk about Japanese films, I'm like, oh my god, I, there's so much that I have to learn. Like, I <laughs> it makes me very excited to like explore things that like I don't really know that much about. But speaking of Michael, for anyone who has not seen Thirteen Assassins, could you tell the listeners what the movie is about? Sure thing. Set in 1844, toward the end of the Edo period, a group of 13 assassins comprising 12 samurai 
and a hunter secretly plot to assassinate Lord Matsudaria Naritsugu, the murderous leader of the Akashi clan, to thwart his appointment to powerful shogunate council. And so, Olivia, I have to ask you, um, why did you give us such a brutal movie to watch? Yeah, on you know, <laughs> that, weekend was my, that was my main question. I'm like, yo, right. so you have been friends for a long time, and she's known about this show for a while. And this and was, I was like, this is the one. Violence. This is the one. <laughs> See, it's funny because like there was a lot of. Shelly and I had a bit of back and forth because I was like, mm -hmm. there are many uh, Koji Yakusho performances where he is, I would say, not stealth in his sex symbol status. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really between 13 Assassins and Cure, which is another really fantastic, say, like psychological horror film by Kiyoshi <laughs> Kurosawa, if anyone hasn't seen oh. it. But again, yeah, it's equally like. Equally brutal movie. Yeah, exactly it was like so which brutal performances yeah it was like which one do i want to watch you know what is 13 assassins which is like a really great and very well done like samurai action film despite being mm. like again as you both said extremely brutal or like cure which is like psychologically like very just like very existentially brutal. devastating just <laughs> intense yeah um <laughs> and i haven't seen his more like he was in a the original shall we dance which probably would have mm. been like a lighter hearted a bit entree <laughs> into his film filmography but again i haven't seen that one because i'm not really into ballroom dancing um <laughs> yeah so that is how i ended up on 13 assassins it's just like great film many hot men Many psycho hot men. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's such a good movie. <laughs> well, we famously love psychos on this show. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but before we get further into the conversation, we do like to get a little warmed up. Absolutely. Mm. You might pull something if you don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to get loose. You got to get slick. You got to get ready with the sexy trivia game now michael for those who don't know what is the sexy trivia game well it's a little bit of a warm-up to get y'all slick for some movie chatting using a little bit of movie trivia i will kick us off the opening sequence of this film is a shot-by-shot -shot recreation of the 1960s era original. Oh, that's pretty Ooh. hot. He Ooh. probably saved a lot of time on storyboarding. <laughs> we love a little parallel play. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Olivia, could you read us number B? Of course. Uh... Matsudaira Naritsugu was a real historical figure. He lived from 1811 to 1835. Mm. He was lord of the area called Akashi, which is nowadays in the Kansai area of Japan. Mm, that's so Ooh. sexy. So sexy. What? What? I... We gotta talk about this character a little bit later in the episode. <laughs> he did some evil things. <laughs> Were they all real? Deeply upsetting. <laughs> but I'm gonna finish us off with letter C. The 13 assassins plan to attack Matsudaira Naritsugu. I'm probably pronouncing that very badly. While his journeying to Edo, the old name for Tokyo. In the Edo period, the lords of Japan had to travel and stay in Edo. This was called Samkinkutai, or official journey. The lords stayed to show their loyalty to the shogun, and the system helped the shogun keep tabs on the lords. And that is a badly pronounced, but very sexy trivia game. <laughs> I think we all did our best. We, we all really Give tried. Game. <laughs> Again, a reminder to the listeners, we have one person on this podcast who knows Japanese, and it's not me or Michael. 
Now, Olivia, do you remember when you first saw this movie? I kind of do, you know. I think I had been going through a phase of, like, watching a lot of, um, actually, some of Takashi Miike's films, but not, I, I still haven't seen, like, I think his, like, Ichi the Killer or any of his, mm-hmm. or Audition or any of his, like, I love how we're like, this is a brutal film, but those are... <laughs> Well, I mean, I I really enjoyed this movie, but like I Mm -hmm. still have not watched Audition because like I don't think that I have the stomach for it. I don't think I can. What's Audition all about? Uh, it's like famous for being like one of the like a a a very uh violent like kind of brutal film, and like I mean, in this I think is kind of like lower tier brutality in terms of Mm -hmm. like the Takashi Miike uh filmography. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I've read the uh, Wikipedia synopsis of. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm reading times, it now. And yeah, I don't think I can watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, oh. there's, not to interrupt, Michael. There's like famously yeah. a scene where you know the the main the female main character who is this like serial killer, I guess is the best yeah. way to describe her. Is she like keeps one of her victims like th- she basically like mutilates them and like slowly like decapitates them <laughs> and is keeping one of her victims like in a bag and the bag you don't know that someone like a person is in the bag and then huh. all of a sudden it like starts moving and it's like obviously the tension of the scene is a lot higher than me just describing <laughs> it okay like, so family fun for yeah for yeah it's <laughs> a light-hearted <laughs> Like Light a, entertainment. It's a wonderful life kind of vibe, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Well, he seems to really love some dismemberment, uh, oh, Takashi yes. Miike. Yes. That's his, like, bread and butter, which is so funny because, again, he does all of these, like, anime live actions, <laughs> like that, like, magic girl group live action, and... Um, jojo's bizarre adventures he did the live action film for that um but yeah he loves the like very gory i think it's unsurprising that like quentin tarantino loves him like (laughs) loves him yeah checks out yeah yeah, yeah. he's that 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 type of like very intense genre director that everyone loves yeah i mean so did you first kind of like become interested in uh, Koji Yakusho like through this movie or were you familiar with his work before you saw this? Um, I don't think I necessarily really um, I obviously took note of his, him in this film and like him and his performance in this film in general but like the more I got into contemporary Japanese cinema and television the more I was like oh this guy is like clearly like a very very well-known and well-respected actor mm-hmm. and very talented in a landscape where there are some not so great actors <laughs> and not so great films um and then there was a lot of like recognition that I'd seen you know Tom Popo and didn't really realize that he was the man in the white suit and all that kind of stuff so yeah now i feel like I'm a little bit more committed to seeing things that he's in because I know that he's mm. so so hot. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's funny. So I mean we we talked about the fact that you know there were a few different movies that he was in that we discussed uh you know featuring on this episode and like you know I mm-hmm. you know put the kibosh on Tom Popo because he's like so clearly supposed to be like the hot guy in the movie. Oh, yes, um <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, so was that like what is your sort of like relationship like with his work going from something like Tom Popo where he is like you know a sort of matinee idol type to something mm-hmm. like 13 Assassins where he I mean he's still obviously like a very handsome man but it's like a very different kind of performance because he's he's older and he's more sort of like mm-hmm. weathered in this like in a way that I I find very fascinating yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting for him in particular because he just has so much gravitas in his presence and performance that mm. 
I don't know really if you know I feel like the the um it's almost like somewhat of a lazy comparison to always compare like international actors with like American movie mm-hmm. stars but I don't know if he really has a any type of like an analog yeah exactly like i mean i did think watching it that maybe like a corollary would be like a a brad pitt or someone that like was just so Mm -hmm. impossibly beautiful when they were young and that like you know i i I don't know how you guys feel about like once upon a time in hollywood but like i i did love his performance in that because like it it felt like he really came into something really interesting by just by virtue of looking older you know yeah Mm. That's an interest. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense because I do think that, especially in this film, you know, he the weatheredness of him being, you know, this elder statesman samurai mm-hmm. is what I felt so hot but like it also leads (laughs) it like lends so well to his performance because there's a lot of like there are a lot of beats in the film that like with a a different actor would not have been Mm. nearly as good or as resonant you know I think Mm. the the scene kind of at the beginning of the the blowout fight and the the village where he's like standing on the barricade and just like unfurls the scroll mm-hmm. that yeah what was it like total massacre or total yeah. destruction or something like that and oh i got like chills it was it was yeah. so good yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean he feels like a man who's like seen life <laughs> and like yeah. that yeah. that's always like a very exciting thing to like see in an actor because i mean like you know obviously like you know part of the reason why we go to the movies is to see like beautiful people blown up like you know many feet tall but i i do think that like there's something to seeing like an an older or like a middle-aged actor and like just seeing that they've got the the gravitas of having lived for a while that is mm. Mm-hmm. more so much more sexy than like seeing just someone who is like a, a beautiful young thing you know oh, god i'm not gonna dig into this point too much but i just <laughs> finished watching uh clash by night and mm. read that uh barbara stanwick was like 45 when yeah. she was doing that movie and i was like there's a a haunted grace that she has about her mm. and then immediately mm. after watching that i watched 13 assassins <laughs> <laughs> and i was like huh i'm i'm familiar with uh, a lot a lot of koji yakusho's work but um there was me trying to figure out like what is it that's doing it mm. uh for, mm. for uh, in this role and uh he definitely has that same kind of i mean in a, in a very different context obviously but mm-hmm. um a, a certain kind of haunted grace uh, about him that um, you see in a lot of Westerns and mm. uh, samurai movies and w- uh, war movies. Um, I mean, I, I think it's kind of what we're talking about with Brad Pitt. We've also seen it with um, Hugh Jackman, um, mm. Mm. who's another uh, actor I feel like is, you know, in this realm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel you on this on this guy he's yeah got a haunted grace about him and there does seem to be a great like legacy of that in like samurai movies especially i mean like i think Mm -hmm. about um you know a lot of like those those 60s like samurai movies like that oftentimes it's like a middle-aged guy who's like yeah yeah just kind of worn worn down in a way that's like very appealing (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and i do find that like with the time period of the film which in a certain way i think it's it's uh, it's not the people don't really uh i guess like focus in on you know it being 
kind of the sunset of the Edo period, which obviously they wouldn't have known, but mm. that so many of them talk about, you know, where the time of the samurai is like largely over, like we've been living in a time of peace. This isn't, mm. uh, we're not used to really fighting. And that's obviously like a lot of the tension with this. <laughs> Naratsugu is this like horrible figure who mm-hmm. just seems to really relish destruction and fighting what? and mm-hmm. bloodshed and is like so energized by that in a obviously very dark and disgusting way. Yep. <laughs> uh yes. Uh but it's so interesting that this film is like none of there are obviously like younger men in the group of assassins but it's there's this div- generational divide between like the kojiak shows and like the the um the teachers and their mm. students who join them right. on this mission where the teachers are basically like we've never really had to fight outside of the dojo setting like yeah. where mm. this is busho like this is um Bushido this is like our code we're going to live by this code and it's exciting for them to be doing that and being able to like sacrifice themselves to a higher mission but it's just so interesting because like you wonder to what extent the younger men are conditioned by living in peace for so long that Mm -hmm. the threat of war that this really just disgusting lord brings is not clear to them i think in a certain way yeah and i mean it's it's interesting that like i mean this is a film from 2011 but i mean it Mm -hmm. feels very very relevant right now i mean like you know i think that we're all kind of like cognizant of like this feeling of like being in the the end of empire or whatever like yeah that it feels like we're sort of like in the the twilight of our you know our national culture (laughs) and i so i mean it it does feel like we are sort of like on you know a a precipice like like that and and I, i feel like he really embodies in like a very beautiful and tragic way like the feeling that a lot of people have right now you know oh yeah i agree the whole time i i this that point is brilliant and resonates a lot because the whole time uh i've been taking my feelings about like every rich person that i interact with and uh, <laughs> imposing them <laughs> on uh lord naritsugu and uh i didn't like a lot of the feelings that i had of god kill this man right. kill right. this man make him bleed for what he's done oh god god um yeah satisfying uh, experience um yeah. i also don't know who i am anymore <laughs> yeah i mean like yeah the movie like it really inspires some like really complicated <laughs> feelings of like you know uh, on the one hand feeling like there's a certain righteousness but on the other hand feeling like you know it's just like you don't want to acknowledge any sort of like violent feelings in yourself but mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I also think it's really interesting because basically the assassins are sent on this mission almost as like a, they're not really, they are working for the Shogun, but they're Mm -hmm. not allowed to acknowledge that because Naritsugu is his Mm half-brother. And in a way, it's the tension between like, we're doing this in order to protect the Shogun, but also... We the reason why this lord is able to do what he does is because he's the shogun's brother, right? And shit. Oh. Oh, he's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> he's really the worst. But again, like within the context of oh, the Meiji Restoration starts like a few what decades later. Hmm. 
they're essentially just working so hard to prop up a system that ends up collapsing Mm. within a very short period of time which is interesting well so it's interesting like olivia you obviously like know a, a great deal about japanese history i mean how do you find that um something like this movie is like reflexive of you know what was happening in the country at the time in like 2011 like telling these kind of stories about history and through the lens of of the contemporary period when it was being made like do you find that there are some parallels there Hmm. that's an interesting question i mean i'm not super familiar with one second Yeah, because I also just, I mean, I, I, as someone who, like, doesn't really know that much about Japanese history, I mean, it's it's been very interesting seeing, like, some of the political stuff that's, like, you know, become very visible to to us out, outside of Japan, like the, you know, the, like, assassination, like, it's, it's very... It's it's very fascinating, but it, like it's it's so sort of like outside of my realm of knowledge. Right. You mean the the Abe assassination? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, that was that's just a wild interlude of like <laughs> yeah random no, like, guy I, I, kills a former political figure, and then the the coverage of it and the consensus afterwards is like maybe this guy had like a legitimate grievance which is wild yeah oh my god yeah not so necessarily I, I that like, like no yeah. context for that <laughs> i mean i just wanted to double check that i wasn't like misrepresenting the timeline but in 2011 that's when the fukushima oh, right. disaster happened and mm-hmm. like i obviously this, this coming out in the same year it's not like going to be reflective of that time period right. but i think there's this constant especially in Japanese media, like we, there were so many films and like the Japanese new wave and that whole era of filmmaking where art house films in Japan were much more responsive to contemporary political Mm. events than I think many mainstream films are now you know you have Hideaki Anno who did who's famous for being the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion who like does all of these reboots of like he did Shin Godzilla which was like Mm. basically this very like bureaucratic take on um that monster story and has Mm -hmm. been doing all those types of re-evaluations of again very large Japanese properties but still with like much more of a historical cultural contextual analysis angle that maybe isn't there hmm I do wonder if you know Takashi Miike like made this film because he was trying to say something I mean again someone who's directed over a hundred films like (laughs) how many of those are really uh, societal statements versus just like loving film and yeah generating being a great I mean he's a great filmmaker being a strong filmmaker mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean I definitely there, think like you know as you know someone who also makes art like I mean I, mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes like you know you you don't intentionally mean to reflect like what's going on but a mm. but you can't help but be influenced by sort of the yeah. the, the cultural over overwhelming feelings that are like happening you know in in society so yeah it's it, yeah it's interesting yeah whether it's like maybe in intentionally reflecting like what's happening around him or if it's just that he's writing a story and he can't help but be you know in impacted by by the world that he lives in you know (laughs) yeah I mean I think it's this whole like cusp period of like late Edo period early Meiji period there's this continued I think both in Japan and just general cultural fascination with 
obviously samurai in general, but Mm -hmm. that transition from, you know, the shogunate and samurai and the samurai code really being very powerful to when the Meiji Restoration happened and that entire population was essentially like uprooted from Mm -hmm. their responsibilities and their way of living was decimated and Mm -hmm. for better and for worse, obviously, but that's a complete change in systems of power. And I think there is this still constant tension in Japanese cinema with the concept of like tradition Mm -hmm. and cultural specificity and change and how do we continue to honor our traditions but also like not dwell too much in the past I mean that's Mm. every culture but I think particularly in Japan that tends to be much more pronounced Mm. well to move a a bit away from uh you know sort of granular uh, history and politics. Uh, so something that I found really interesting in the movie is that, I mean, obviously, like, he is, like, a objectively good-looking man. Um, but I, I was thinking a lot about how, uh, you know, it, you know, famously, like, people on Twitter, like, are, you know, gaga over, like, Joshiro Mifune and, like, mm. but you know, when you watch these like old samurai movies, it's like they they're styled in a way like with like the hair and like the, you know, the being bald on the top, like that yeah. is not exactly like what we would find like attractive today. So, I mean, like, what do you think it is about like in these like samurai movies that like still is like so appealing for people, even though it, like it would seem to be like the way that like the men are styled seems to be like so outside of like what we are you know attracted to in like you know contemporary New York right that's an interesting point I mean when you think about like the group of assassins it's what only two of them don't have the the shaved head and it's Mm -hmm. the the nephew character who basically is like turned his back on being a samurai and the hunter slash kind of supernatural figure that they come across in the forest who's just like wild and completely like outside of that entire so much um, he's wild (laughs) um i think it's just like this uh, it's a very clear and very specific type of like masculinity that's so Mm. attractive and so I don't necessarily think it's that it's dated per se, but it's Mm. very value driven and very honor driven in a way that feels kind of timeless almost Mm. like sure. It comes from, there are still aspects of, you know, misogyny and honor specifically in this film related to like your family and women being raped or killed um or dismembered um, (laughs) horrifyingly but um yeah i think the attractiveness there is that there is like still this you have these men who are very much driven to fight for their beliefs and for to Mm -hmm. fight for other people in a way that you don't necessarily come across all the time in regular yeah. day-to-day life yeah and it also helps to have like a really good face which uh, oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which he definitely has <laughs> well, so do you remember the like first movie crush that you had oh first movie crush i mean i can think of like my first like media anime crush more yes. readily <laughs> absolutely which is Seshomaru from Inuyasha I was like very I love like an aloof white haired pretty boy <laughs> love it. In, within the anime community which is like very embarrassing I hate being like <laughs> I am a type that's that's always the worst feeling um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not special 
Um, but my first movie crush, that's like always really hard because. Or, mean, TV. I, or yeah, TV. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the exact first. Yeah. yeah. I definitely went through like a very intense Killian Murphy phase when I was in like middle. Oh boy. Late oh elementary God. school. Very timely, <laughs> obviously with his Oppenheimer performance and everyone's everyone having discovered that he has beautiful haunting eyes and peaky yeah. blinders. And as the um, people on Twitter say, a slutty little waist. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. I saw a clip recently of him like laughing at something and someone commented, this is the first time I've ever seen Killian Murphy laugh ever. It was like, that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the one that like really got you into Killian Murphy? Cause I remember when he, what was the, um, is it like, Pluto something the one breakfast where he oh yeah Pluto. breakfast, breakfast of Pluto, Pluto, where that, it was like was, that was great that did a lot for me as a kid <laughs> yeah I mean what was it like 13 days later the like Dan- Danny Boyle like oh, 28 yeah. days later yeah 28 days later sorry wow 28 <laughs> days later for sure and then I was like I have to see everything so I saw Red Eye when it was in yes. oh my god movie theaters which was wild Listen, all all the again. Zoomers, they think that like they've just discovered Killian Murphy, and like, listen, yeah. we were we were into him back in the day. Oh, yeah. Sunshine yes. came out when we were in high school. Like, yes, uh, yeah. I love him in Sunshine. It's the only movie uh, I, I love him in that movie, and it's the only movie that I like uh, that Chris <laughs> Evans in. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Oh. It's the only movie I actually find him attractive in. Also, oh, um, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I Sunshine love a movie where people rewatch. go to space and go insane. Ugh, mm. it's the best. Oh my <laughs> What's god! What's with uh, Sam Neill? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say Claire Denis. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Claire Denis <laughs> one. Yeah, Julia Ocean, the like box where she just like masturbates for. <laughs> yeah, the fuck box. Yeah, the fuck box. <laughs> yeah, movie is this? Oh, is what? it like High Life or something? High no. Life. Yeah, and I. They showed it at BAM when I worked there, and she and Robert Pattinson came together, and they were so cute together. I oh. fell in love with him that day because I was like, eh, he's like, he's fine. But then I saw him in person, and I was like, oh, this man is the most beautiful person I've ever seen. <laughs> God. Oh. <laughs> and okay. He was yeah. So sweet with her. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Damn, I gotta revisit Claire Denis' work. Um, Listen, I was... oh, talk about Beau Travai, talk about uh, sexy homoerotic tension. Come on, seriously. Uh. Oh, no, I say that, but I think it's Friday night is like my favorite, one of my favorite sex scenes of all time. Literally, have the Friday night poster on my wall. I love okay. this movie so uh, much. Um, I I need the the Twitter version of like what what is so great about this. Uh, this sex scene specifically so i'm one of those people who i feel very strongly both in terms of like (laughs) sex and violence that like the less you show the more engaging it is because like you as a as an audience member filling in kind of the gaps and what you aren't shown is it brings you into the actual moment. So this is like the most kind of inex, like so not explicit at all. It's just like close up shots of like someone's neck and their oh like God. pulse beating under their skin, and it's oh, it's, which I love that. I love that. Denis is so good at that. Oh my God! Go like ahead. the scene in Botrevai, yeah, with like the yep. his vein like pulsing yep. and you're like oh my god this man has definitely oh just god. masturbated <laughs> yeah. okay i need to he's watch like touching this a gun shit. yeah i need it's to watch a symbol this. for his penis uh, yeah i'm not i'm not into the like blue is the warmest color scissoring or like oh any yeah of the, that. i need yeah. like let you use someone, your mind yes yeah like someone touch I need me to, here like, you know yeah, don't yeah. don't throw a bunch of fucking crap at me uh christopher nolan we all know you've never had sex before. 
my god oh my god. god i i don't know michael if you've seen this but someone posted like a screenshot of the screenplay from oppenheimer where oh, no, it's like the the exact sex scene and <laughs> i have to read this. i love when like Whatever someone describes action, it's like all in capital letters in the scene in Oppenheimer. <laughs> Nolan said like fucking, like just capital letters. Like uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds I, about right. I love explicit sex scenes, like so I can't get on board with this. But like, <laughs> but you're listen, like, I, if you're like, if I don't see Bush in a wiener, like yeah. this is <laughs> I want to right. see you eat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I uh, something about a close-up shot of like someone's uh, neck, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I listen, know, when, when that it's feels good. explicit. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a way to do it where it feels like I wasn't supposed to see that, but um, oh, don't get me wrong. Like, I love like watching like a period piece where like you see someone's ankle and you're like, oh my god, this oh is pornography. God. I love <laughs> yeah. that shit. That's my shit. <laughs> That's great. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh so, Michael, do you have any uh, movies that you would put in a double feature with 13 Assassins? And Olivia, uh, same question to you. Uh, honestly, uh, I wanted to have something like a, a war movie or a Western or a samurai <laughs> movie. But today uh this is how i started my morning i actually think uh the movie pairing that i'm gonna go with is uh uh a wonderful life by frank capra i i I just need to (laughs) look these movies don't connect here (laughs) these movies don't connect they have nothing to do with each other they're not similar uh, mm-hmm. Normally, a movie pairing, uh, you would want one of those things. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes <laughs> I treat movie pairings like chasers, you know? Uh, so sometimes you have your shot and then you chase it down with some Coca Cola. And <laughs> I need some Coca Cola. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this viewing. But before I interact uh, with the physical world today, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch something dumb um, or optimistic. Um, yeah, I will say, like, it's a wonderful life. Is like also a pretty <laughs> bleak movie. So. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh my god, but I love that. That is a great pairing. Oh my god, Olivia, what do you think? What would you be your your pairing? I would probably say if you're like into a good samurai film, uh, obviously can't go wrong with kurosawa but i would say hidden fortress if you're looking Ooh. for like hot mifune like on not necessarily he's like very dirty in this so but yeah. i feel like that ties into the like rugged samurai-ness of 13 assassins Ooh, i'm adding this that. to my letterbox right so good. yeah i i also uh so i thought that my pairing would be uh, Kurosawa's Ron. Because uh, mm. I think that there are similarly like bleak worldviews in both movies. Um, and yeah, and it, there's something like very like Shakespearean about um, about 13 Assassins. And, you know, what better than Kurosawa's take on Shakespeare? So, yeah, that would wow. have to be mine. So we have three perfect pairings i we're like uh, all brilliant is the thing yeah <laughs> i know they're it's all crazy. accurate <laughs> all, we're like all really smart <laughs> in relevance <laughs> <laughs> well now i think we can go to our game so <laughs> we like to on occasion play fuck mary kill on this show uh so uh olivia we are going to do a koji yakusho Fuck Mary Kill. So we're gonna have thirteen assassins. Your uh, other pick that was Tampopo, and then you recommended Blood of the Wolves, which Michael and I have not seen. So right. for any listeners who have not seen these movies, could you talk us through what each movie is about, like what his characters are in those movies? So obviously, thirteen assassins. Tampopo, he plays the man in the white suit. So just. 
sexual figure matinee very idol sexual, sexual figure <laughs> there's a very famous scene in tom popo where he uh passes an egg yolk orally from him between himself and another woman and uh <laughs> it's very very se- again he's playing alluding around. to sex but not actually being sex is he very too dirty. much and yeah, then, ramen yeah. is sex in that movie <laughs> right and then Blood of the Wolves is this really, really great, like, 80s, I mean, more recent, but it's a 80s Yakuza, 80s set Yakuza film where he plays, like, this dirty cop who's essentially playing both sides. And Ugh, what a piece of it's, shit. It's so great. It's it's really great. He's really Ugh. great in that. <laughs> oh, my God. Perfect. All right. So, Olivia, you start us off. Fuck, Mary kill. So, unfortunately i'm gonna this is tough because like originally it would have been easier because we were thinking of memoirs of a geisha but i like could not (laughs) reasonably recommend going to see that at all um i'm gonna have to say oh mary 13 assassins Mm. fuck blood of the wolves because this guy fucks in this movie and then i guess Tom popo i'm gonna kill just because He's like too pretty. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Michael, what are your thoughts? <laughs> okay, uh, I've been taking my notes uh, as my notes are are useless. Um, so let's see. I'm gonna fuck uh, Tom Popo Koji. Uh, he sounds like my type. Um, y- yeah, uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, Let's see. Blood of the Wolf. I'm going to kill him because uh, fuck the police. Um, and uh, 13 he's Assassins. Cop. He's a corrupt cop. He's a corrupt cop? Oh, Worse. even better. Worse. Even, even better. <laughs> I'm up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I'm going to marry him in 13 Assassins. Uh, that's mm. the easiest. This is the easiest fuck, marry, kill I've ever had to do. Um <laughs> I need to actually watch these other two movies, but uh, he seems You'll like he'd be it, a, Michael. He, he's demonstrated he's a great husband. Yeah, Michael, you you stepped on my fuck Mary kill a little bit because I also would kill Blood of the Wolf because cop. Um, together. <laughs> I would fuck uh, him in Thirteen Assassins because he is oh. very very hot, but I don't think that we could sustain a life together. And I would have to marry him in Tom Popo because he's <laughs> he's just a beautiful beautiful boy in that movie. Yeah, and I love him. Uh. <laughs> Olivia, this was so so fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Thank so- you for having me. <laughs> Where can where can people follow you on social media? And do you have anything coming up that people should look out for? So you all can follow me on Letterboxd. I'm at OBD2102. That's Hell yeah. Basically the only like public social media <laughs> profile I have. That's the only um, one that people need. Yes. <laughs> right. But I'm just like, I need to follow some like IRL people on Letterboxd. So it's not just me oh. following like every critic but i'm about to follow you i am michael yes real real life connection yes i am (laughs) i am definitely not a critic i am only a person um (laughs) michael stop i can't no it's it's what i pride myself on (laughs) you are a public figure my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do have to uh, admit to like the only kind of passive aggressive move that I do on Letterboxd is if I feel like I, I need to withhold my judgment. I don't give anything a star. <laughs> I, so I, love I have that. not I have not given theater camp any a rating. <laughs> Whoa. We don't like theater camp. Oh gosh. Listen, uh, I haven't we- seen it. Yeah, we we will talk in in our texts about you know, theater camp. Yeah, theater camp. Ooh, I got some things to say about some people in that movie, but as do we. Yeah, my lips are sealed. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> That's not what we're here to talk about. We are here no. to talk about our great crushes. And Michael, where can people find us on social media? 
Uh, you can find us on all social medias at Everyone Is Hot Pod. That's Everyone Is Hot. Everyone Is Hot Pod number one. Um, and if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you can rate us, uh, please rate us five stars. Anything less will get your head chopped off. <laughs> yes, we will we'll, um, absolutely kill you if you we'll don't kick it around. It. <laughs> <laughs> and also, what is the most important thing for listeners to do? Stay horny. Horny. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.